Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, March 22nd. Welcome to our long-form Titans debate football edition. Basically, it's a football show. Zach Lyons from the Football and Other F-Words podcast from Broadway Sports Media joins me each and every Tuesday as we dive deep into all things football, primarily Titans here on the show. Zach, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. We got a lot of stuff to get to on the show today. You've got I'm probably some... doing a little bit better than what Ryan Tannehill is just now because A.J. Brown put out a tweet which will probably soon be deleted at that time <laughs> that you probably hear this, that M Marcus is the best leader he's ever been around. And people are freaking out that Tannehill's not a leader anymore <laughs> and that he's a bad leader. Well, you know, I'll just throw this out there. A lot of people think a lot of former presidents were great, the best leader they've ever been around. <laughs> not anymore. People, not not yeah, anymore. <laughs> well, people prefer different styles of leadership. And I think we all objectively know if you have ever studied leadership, and I am I'm big into leadership and and what it all means. Mar Marcus is not a better leader than Ryan Tannehill. Wow. Just because just because he's nicer, he's a nice guy, I guess. Maybe that's what AJ Brown prefers, or maybe AJ Brown prefers a laid back approach. It doesn't mean that Tannehill is not a good leader what? or a great leader. It's just AJ Brown's stupid opinion, which really doesn't mean a lot in, Stupid the, in opinion. the wow yeah, in the realm of if i am looking for it's, someone to get their opinion on leadership it's not gonna be so an aj hang brown on, hang on hang on so i haven't even told people what's coming up on the show i haven't even told no, people i derailed brand. it i haven't even told people about our our wonderful sponsor for this week and next which is going to be new this this these two weeks i haven't even told people what's coming up and you're already telling me that the superstar wide receiver's opinion about his quarterback's leadership ability is stupid and doesn't matter because that's completely yeah. ridiculous. What does Jarvis Landry think of Ryan Tannehill's leadership abilities? Well, and I'm and let me tell you something. He was taking pot shots at everything that has to do with the Dolphins. And you know what oh, he did? Know, he I turns know. around and he's he's giddy with them. There's there's scenes, there's video clips of them joking and laughing together at the Pro Bowl. Can, like, can, give, can, give me a break, this? everybody. Take take a deep breath, Zach. Okay. Okay. The show hasn't even started yet. Take a deep breath. Do we really know what AJ Brown even looks knows what a le true leader looks like? Like that's my thing. Stop talking. Do you <laughs> do, do you think that it's possible that Marcus Mariota is a pretty damn good leader? And I think Tannehill, it's and that Ryan Tannehill is a pretty good leader too. Can we just say that? I don't. I don't think Marcus is a good leader at all. And I think he proved that. I think his I teammates think, love him, and that might make it uh, a good leader. Some, a lot of teammates went back on what he what they initially said about them once they were off the team, and Malarkey mm -hmm. even framed it as such that he's not a good leader. I just I'm just saying he's he's not the leader that I would go to war with and expect him to be able to you know form a plan or you know devise a good strategy or anything. I he's just going to sit there and just be like eh, whatever. Mahalo. I, ha <laughs> I I have Marcus Mariota written down, but it's down here at the bottom of the page. See that, Zach? Sorry. It's way down Sorry. here at the bottom of the page. <laughs> All right. Damn it. All right. Coming up on the show, a Ryan Tannehill, Rick Barnes comparison. That's right. The one you didn't know you needed in your life today. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about Robert Woods because this is obviously the big news over the weekend. The Titans go out and I think, you know, highway robbery with a very low risk opportunity to bring in a really nice piece in Robert Woods. So really good weekend for Ryan Tannehill, actually. Uh, Austin Hooper is signed. He's already been, he's already talked with the media, the tight end. 
uh, former Stanford third round pick play for the Falcons and the Browns. We'll talk a little bit about the weaponry that is now around Ryan Tannehill. Uh, of course, you've got some you, you're deep in the weeds on cap restructuring, which is, you know, basically my my Sunday morning throne time uh, is just spent reading all of your <laughs> restructuring threads on Twitter and on Broadway Sports Media. So go check that out. We got some new defensive backs that are going to be like they've made some moves there. So we'll get into what the secondary could look like for the Tennessee Titans, as well as the quarterback situation in the AFC South looks very different today than it did this time last week so we'll do some of that however uh as i mentioned we do have a new sponsor on the show this for this week and next and and that is our, our wonderful friends at je dunn the hammer down race it is a 5k it's the eighth annual 5k uh, all of the proceeds will go to benefit our kids of course which is a charity here in middle tennessee that protects and um treats sexually abused children one of the best collections of people you will ever meet in your entire life so the je dunn hammer down race the eighth annual 5k all the proceeds going to benefit our kids. It is on April 2nd. It is in two Saturdays. Make sure you come out and run the race. We need runners because when you run, you get to come hang out and there's all kinds of cool stuff and you help the kids of Middle Tennessee. So we need runners. Hammerdown.raceroster.com is the website. Hammerdown.raceroster.com. You probably could also just Google it all. Don Davenport is the MC. So Don's going to be out there helping us out as well. We appreciate her and all of the time on the show this week and next donated by our great friends at the Kingston Group. So remember them as well. All right. Bills are paid, Zach. Barnes, Tannehill comparison. And I want to start this by saying... Love it. I loved it when you sent I, this to me. <laughs> I, I said it on the show a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, man, I, I sure hope this doesn't happen in March. But sure enough, it absolutely happens. Tennessee, like everyone else in the SEC, frankly, what's the bet over the weekend? And it is not fair, necessarily, that coaches and quarterbacks are judged on what they do, in particular in basketball and in the NFL, by what they do in the playoffs. It's not necessarily fair that Rick Barnes is the fifth highest paid coach in, in, in all of America, and he's a wonderful, amazing, high-quality piece to the University of Tennessee Athletic Department. He generates tons of revenue. He wins tons of games. The fans love him. He's a great guy. The team loves him. He's a great recruiter. All this other stuff. Sounds pretty familiar to what the Titans have at quarterback, if you ask me. Because, again, they choked and they lose to a bad team. Not a bad team. Every team in the tournament's good. But they they go out before they're supposed to. Ryan Tannehill, we've had the conversation all offseason. I don't necessarily want to revisit all of the specifics of the Ryan Tannehill side of things. So my first thought is it's just unfair, Zach, that we live in a world where you, you can do all this amazing stuff for your organization for 11 months a year. But when push comes to shove... If you don't win playoff games and you don't compete for championships, that that's all we're going to eventually that's all we're going to judge you by. And that's going to happen to Ryan Tannehill. And it's already happening to Rick Barnes at Tennessee. Do you buy the comparison? Uh, I mean, Rick Barnes hasn't been, does not done anything since what? 2008. Like I kind of get the comparisons. That's why I kind of like the, the thing you have to, at some point, someone's going to have to prove that they can win the, in the big games. And what did I say on this show last week? It doesn't matter what seed they are. They weren't going to make it that far in the tournament anyway. And it's because of Rick Barnes. Now, listen, Rick Barnes isn't the one that's shooting two from 18 or whatever the stat was, you know, from the field but he's the one that's letting them do it. Like at some point, don't you devise plans to say, Hey, we're in this game pretty close. Maybe we should stop shooting these things. Let me throw up some plays or do something like just letting the kids keep on doing. That seems like a little bit of a disservice to 
himself and the team, to be honest with, because it's like, okay, we'll just keep on chucking it up. Maybe you'll pull yourself out of it in this crucial moment. This isn't a regular season game. And it's kind of just like Tannehill, right? I mean, they could go two for 18. Ryan Tannehill throws three interceptions. I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing, but there are people that didn't put those players in a position to succeed. And I'm just telling you, it, it maybe it's the mystique or the luck surrounding Rick Barnes. Maybe it's just yeah. aura that will never escape him, no matter what team he's on, <laughs> no matter how good his team is. This team is his teams are destined to lose. But it's 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 under his watch. So I don't know what people expect. Like, you know, I, I just don't get it. Like this is this is UT UT sports, right? Well, the whole fan base just right rose up. <laughs> and just demolish Kentucky for like 24 hours, and then they do this. Uh, I, I, do, I, I do want to hear the person who's like, see, we should have been a 2C. We never would have lost to an 11. And I'm like, if you lose to 11, you shouldn't have been anything. Like, like that's the, the other side of that argument. I will say that I think there's two, two differences here, and I don't know what you think about this, but there's a reason basketball playoff series in the NBA are seven games and that NFL football games are one. Because yeah. I think I think football, you don't need a large sample size to sort of dictate what's going to happen. Now, in the NFL, it's different because it's very, very even. In college football, I think if Georgia and Michigan played seven times in a seven-game series, Georgia would win all seven of them. And so the difference between a seven-game series and a one-game series isn't all that different. Whereas in basketball, like Tennessee did, if you just have a bad shooting night, which sometimes is not even the other team's fault. Like, you talked about it. Tennessee's players were just open and just missing shots the entire game. So that's not any, like the defense wasn't doing that, but Tennessee got tight at the end and it's Rick Barnes's job to calm them down. I, I just, I mentioned this on the show like three or four weeks ago. And I was like, man, I just, I don't want this to be a thing that happens, but it, sure enough, here it is. And I can't ignore the comparison because Ryan Tannehill has been great. And here's the other thing that's, that's the same. Ryan Tannehill has been great and is going to be the starting quarterback for this team in the regular season. Rick Barnes has been great in the regular season and is going to be the head coach for this team moving forward. Yep. There, you, You're not going any. Neither one of them is going anywhere, at least this year for Tannehill. Yeah, the only difference is that Tannehill is probably not going to be here next year <laughs> right, unless right. he wins a suit, unless he wins a Super Bowl. And Rick Barnes probably is going to have, what, two or three more years of Rick Barnes at UT I, unless so, unless an epic, you know, regular season collapse happens. Oh, he's not going. To, he's not going anywhere, um, but he's not the he's not achieving in March what the fifth highest paid coach in college basketball should achieve. Here's my question about Tannehill winning the Super Bowl, because there could there, there obviously could be a plan in John Robinson's head where he's going, you know what? I'm looking at quarterbacks in this draft class. I'm looking at quarterbacks. Maybe I'm trading for them. I'm, I'm probably going to move on from Ryan Tannehill at the, this time next year. We need a succession plan at the position. Here's my question to you, to you. I want you to turn your, your fan hat on here. Oh, the fan hat. Okay. Turn the fat hand, which means you, which means F bombs and everything else. That's okay. what I want. If Tannehill, how many years of missing the playoffs with an aging old overpaid Ryan Tannehill? Would you be okay with if they win the Super Bowl? Like 10 years? How many bad years oh, of football? Man. How many god-awful, irrelevant, bad years? And I'm not suggesting this would happen because I think Vrabel and John Robinson are too good at their job. But I'm just saying hypothetically, how many god-awful, non-playoff, bad Titan seasons would you be willing to trade for the, the one magical Joe Flacco, Ryan Tannehill run to the Super Bowl? 
Ooh, I, I because now I'm spoiled after all these winning seasons. <laughs> I think I could only take you know two, and I'm also kind of I won't say that like I'm super realistic, but I'm a pretty level-headed, headed, realistic fan. Tannehill, even with the Super Bowl win, gets like two, if if two horrible seasons. In fact, he would only probably get one with me. And I, I think that if there were two horrible seasons back to back after the Super Bowl, because that would mean that they would have done an extension and everybody's getting paid $40 right, million right. Dollars a right. year right now. They're, they would put them, I would be actually a little surprised if he got like a four or five year extension. And I don't think that he would last that long and he shouldn't last that long. I, I, it's so despite, funny. Despite bad seasons. It's, you know. so, it's so funny. So as a fan of, of, of a team that's won two Super Bowls in the last 25 years, um, I, I think every 10 or 12 years, if you get a Super Bowl ring, like you're gold, dude. Like if you get a Super Bowl ring every 15 years, I think as a fan, like that's all you can ask for. You can't ask for Tom Brady and the Patriots dynasty. But if you told me that, like, if, if you told me that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers goes and wins the Super Bowl this year, and then he retires and I get 10 years of God awful Jordan love, I would do it in two seconds. I would be like, yep, give me the third ring. I want to enjoy that one. Put that one on the wall too. put that skin on the wall and be like, you know what? I don't really, I'm, I'm good for a decade. I think I could handle it. Wow. I don't, I don't know if I could, I, I, I don't know okay. if I could handle, I barely handled it the last decade before. <laughs> Tannehill. I mean, I was, I was on, I, I couldn't handle that. And that wasn't even a full 10 years of misery. Cause you know what, if like, again, this would be a wonderful, wonderful problem for Titans fans. But if you were to win a Super Bowl. You know they have to bring him back on an extension. Like they have to rework the deal and bring him back on like a five-year deal. Like they have to do it because he won the freaking Super Bowl. And then we'd all be like, "Wait a second, this isn't going to work again." Yeah. So, anyway, just wanted to float that out there. Um, I, I like it. I, I I I just don't think I could handle. May I could maybe handle like three three and thirteen seasons, and that's about it. Maybe you, you, I don't you, even know if I could do it. You'd forget all about the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. by, by the way, great place to watch basketball games. Uh, if you would like to watch the two greatest Jenga players of all time, uh, we it was head to head. Jasper's great game room. By the way, free total free shout here. By the way, go go check out Jasper's. Uh, we played probably the greatest Jenga game ever in the history of the world. Just want to throw that out there for people. Pop a shot, air hockey, all kinds of great stuff. If you're watching tournament games, uh, they got the big screen over there. So go to Jasper's total free shout for one of our other clients here on the 440 Sports Network. All right, Robert Woods. Let's get to Robert Woods. Now, I, as someone who covers recruiting in college football, I have a, a longer relationship, let's say, with Robert Woods than maybe a lot of Titans fans would ever even, con- <laughs> frankly, that should any Titans fans ever have. This was the number one receiver recruit in the nation coming out of high school. He was a guaranteed five-star prospect, the number three player in the country, regardless of position. He goes to USC. He's a consensus All-American. He is great all three years at USC. He gets drafted by the Bills, and he plays with EJ Manuel and neckbeard Kyle Orton, and and I don't even know who else. Like Oh, Tyrod Taylor for a couple of years. So his years in Buffalo, statistically, you're not going to like him. But then he goes, when he actually plays with good teams and good quarterbacks and good offensive schemes, his numbers are exceptional. He goes out to L.A. with 68 career games in Los Angeles, 5.4 receptions per game, and about 70-plus yards of total offense per game because they use him in the running game a little bit. They dabble him. They, they mix him in. He gets traded for a 2023 sixth-round pick. Which is a there's, steal. There's no I mean, risk here. This is an all-around great football player who's not young, but he's not old. 
to me, this is this is DeMarco Murray. This is Ryan Tannehill. This is John Robinson at his finest going and acquiring an asset that no one else wants that he knows is going to fit in with his team. And I think he does everything exactly the way the Titans want him to do it in the offense and off the field. I could not think of a better move for the Titans than this. So obviously I'm I'm pro Robert Woods here. <laughs> well, listen, someone someone should tell AJ Brown to hold on to his butt because he's actually going to be around a real leader in Robert Woods wow. apparently. Because Ro- when you look at what everybody has said about Robert Woods leaving, down to the media who are personally feel very affected by this trade. Like they're very <laughs> sad that he is gone and that they don't get to interview him and they don't get to talk to him. And he's a great human above all that. This is a like, I made a tweet about the Julio Jones trade and we'll get a little bit of retrospective on Julio Jones. I think in, in the pod where I said that this is going to, it should turn out to be one of the best trades that, you know, John Robson has ever made. Now I always forget that, you know, he traded for Ryan Tannehill, which I should not forget. I just, for, it just for doesn't no, compute. For nothing. For Miami, nothing. Miami paid for like two thirds of his salary. And it's turned out to be one of the worst trades John Robson has ever done. This Robert Woods thing. I get that everybody is quick to compare it to Julio Jones, but he is what? Three years younger than Julio Jones. Why, why are people, why are people doing that? I, I, do, I think it's just, it's just an easy connection to make, right? You're trading for an injured wide receiver again for another injured wide receiver. And that's the connection that they make. Look, ACLs, this isn't 2002. I mean, like ACLs are almost pretty much nothing. Now, obviously, Lawan, who is a lot bigger, and Bud Dupree, who is also a lot bigger, struggled a little bit. And Bud Dupree, even admitted, probably came back a little too quick. We don't know what the rehab style is for those guys. From the way it sounded like from Lawan's comments at certain junctures in the offseason, it sounded like he wasn't really going to be full force running until June or July. He wasn't even going to attempt it. Robert Woods is already at least, obviously he's a month ahead, right? Because he between but him and Bud Dupree, but he's also a month and a few weeks ahead in the jogging stage than Bud Dupree was in his stage of the rehab. So I get it. It's easy to make those comparisons. But let me tell you something. Cam Akers came back from a torn Achilles in a record time and looked phenomenal when he came back. If if Bob Logs, and that's what I'm going to call him, call him Bob Logs. <laughs> if Bob Logs... That's a porno stay, name. Yeah. That is what you call yourself yeah. when you're a porno in the 70s. Uh, if he stays in California, does his rehab, and doesn't oh. attempt to go to Nashville and do his rehab, you're going to see a quick turnaround. And he's already projected to come back he said in the spring and all this stuff, but he doesn't have to be ready till the end of July, which would be pretty late to be ready. That that would be almost a perfect time for him. So I'm just not concerned. You're getting one of the best blocking wide receivers in the league, which I know everybody's tired of hearing it, but at some point people just have to realize that's what this team wants its wide receivers to do. And they're going to value it. He still has deep enough speed, better speed than anybody else on the team. And he just is always in the right place after watching receivers end over in, drive after drive and play after play, not know what the hell they're doing. This is a professional. It's a professional and it's yes. great for AJ Brown. He's on a yes. manageable contract because guess what? After this year, if they don't restructure Robert Woods after this year, they can cut him for zero dead money. Cost him nothing. 
It was a 13-5 one-year rental for a top-tier wide receiver who should get you at least Corey Davis-like numbers from twenty nine from 2020. It, it's funny, it's, it's no funny downside. You, it's it's funny that you mentioned that. And we so Bud Dupree was December second. Taylor Lewan, ironically, Taylor Lewan and Caleb Farley were both October eighteenth, which is just weird. That's just a weird thing that they both tore their ACLs on the exact same day. Yeah, crazy. Robert Woods was November twelfth. So here's what I would admit as a non medical expert, which is that the human body reacts a million gazillion different ways, depending on a million and gazillion different factors. So there's no way to truly present or project what's going to happen with Robert Woods. Here would be my question for a medical professional would be to answer me this. Taylor Lewan and Bud Dupree are carrying a lot more weight on their bodies. And, and therefore that could be a factor. However, smaller players like Woods and Farley have to be far more explosive and also put a different type of stress on their knee. So what I would like to know from a medical professional is which one is tougher on a knee, the weight of a tackle and a defensive end or the explosiveness of a receiver and corner. That, that That's the question I think that people should be asking that no one really can answer about any one individual athlete. So I, that's, that's the one thing I would say, but let's say hypothetically, yeah. comes, let's say he comes out at 85%. Let's say he's an 85% of himself for next season. That's still about what, like if you do his 16 game average into 17 games based on what he did for the Rams, you're looking at a guy who's, I think Corey Davis is about right. You're looking at about 60 catches for like 900 yards and like five touchdowns. And that, perfect. and that would be, that would be totally worth it for a guy who also blocks, who you also can hand the football to in some trick plays. I was about to say, don't forget the touchdown from an in around because that's going to happen. Yes, yes. You can use him a little bit like John U. Smith. You can you can line him up all over the field. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. He can take a shot down the middle. He's tough as absolute nails. Like the guy is a total professional. And I'm biased because I covered him coming out of high school. And so I'm biased because I, I've liked his game since he was a 17-year-old kid. And I think he's a great fit for what the Titans want to do. And they got him for nothing and they can get out of the contract for basically nothing. Right. I, it's, is, it's a perfect deal. I mean, it, it, these people who are like, why well, I can't believe you're they're trading for a 30 year old wide receiver coming off an ACL tear for a 2023 six round pick that, and that costs them nothing. It costs not even them absolutely year. nothing. It's not it's even, not even yeah. <laughs> it, it's like these people are just trying to find ways to complain about something. And Good for them for, you know, staying true to the brand, I guess. But at some point, people got to be realistic about what really matters. And what really matters is that you've got a wide receiver, too, that you can not only pair with A.J. Brown now, but if you keep him around, he's on an affordable contract for the remainder of his season. So you can now get a wide receiver three in the draft and be fine for a couple of years at wide receiver for maybe a rookie quarterback. Yeah, it, it's, I, I don't I, like what is trading a 2023 six round draft pick cost you? Like not, John avoids John Robinson drafting a bad Washington state quarterback. Like yeah. I don't like, he doesn't know how to use that pick anyway. Like Let's, right. let's use it on Robert Woods. Um, that's Brady breeze. He basically right, traded right. Robert Woods for Brady breeze for Cole McDonald and Luke Falk. That's what happened. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Let's wrap this up, though, with two other parts of the conversation, which is they also added a starting tight end in Austin Hooper. We don't know the specifics of the deal, but it looks to be about a one year. There's been some reports about a six million dollar deal, but we'll see what the numbers are when the cap hit comes out. I saw an article about this with him and it said 
He struggled in Cleveland because he, quote, got shoddy quarterback play in a run-first offense. And I thought, ooh, that doesn't sound good. (laughs) That doesn't sound good. Um, I also covered Austin Hooper coming out of high school. And this is a big-time player that went to Stanford, played really, really well, um, was a really good player, two-time Pro Bowler for the Atlanta Falcons. And if he gives you his career averages, six years in the NFL, he would have 57 receptions for 595 yards and five touchdowns. He's had some bad years and some good years, but if he gives you his exact career averages, he gives you all you could ever ask for, I think, in this offense for a starting number one tight end. So we, we can package Austin Hooper into this conversation with Ryan Tannehill probably had a pretty good weekend because he got a number two receiver and a number one tight end. Yeah, I mean, I, the only thing really missing is uh, one offensive lineman from this being a bang-up job of an offseason. And it's he's getting weapons and they're not done getting weapons. I mean, they, they may, you know, uh, technically get a wide receiver and a tight end in the draft, right? You're, you're obviously going to see them double down in the draft at some point. And it's, it's a good thing because this is a tight end class and a wide receiver class that you can find basically anywhere from third, third round to almost the sixth round. You're going to be able to find a contributor because they're that deep. Uh, whatever kind of tight end you're looking for, whatever kind of wide receiver you're looking for, there's going to be one that could contribute. And people are forgetting, and I hate to bring this up because I'm not a big fan of them. Des Fitzpatrick is there too. So, you know, this team at the end of the season, John Robinson's at the combine, man, he really gets it now. He really understands what's going through after completing a full season and blah, blah, blah. Don't don't sleep on what his involvement may be, whether you like it or not. But when you look at the tight end class, Austin Hooper is such an upgrade, yeah, a yeah. massive, a hundred times better than anything they had on the roster last year. He can block and he can catch. So when he's on the field, the defense, the offense will be less predictable. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. And he's he's also been durable. He's played thirteen games in every at least thirteen games in every season of his career. Um, this is a guy who's again, he, with, with Matt Ryan in Atlanta was very good, was not as good with Cleveland, but nor is anyone when they go to Cleveland. Um, so again, I, this is a guy who was a high pedigree player, the way Robert Woods is a high pedigree player. And, and I, I believe I saw some quotes and I wish I, I probably should attribute them. I don't know who got the quotes, but basically talking to Kevin Hogan, who's, who was his quarterback at Stanford, who's now on the Titans roster, basically saying, this guy convinced me of everything I needed to know about this organization. And that's why I came here. So again, I apologize to any media members if I don't attribute that quote properly, but, but uh, I did see that floating around on the Twitter sphere. And that makes total sense because once you're in this organization and then you talk about this organization and the way Vrabel's hands on with your, with the players, it, it, it resonates with a lot of a prof- with professional football players. So uh, Julio Jones, I, I don't understand why people are comparing this and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on what it means for the team. I think everyone knows that after June 1st, they save about 10 million bucks and that's all you kind of need to know. I, I am shocked at the amount of hindsight that's going on with this. This is not to me, Jadavian Clowney in a free agent negotiation. This is like, Hey, we're ready to win right now. We've got a chance at a hall of famer. He won us the Seattle game. We go out and we get him. Do I wish we had a second round pick? Of course. Do I think they should trade back to get an extra second round pick? Yes. I do. Should they have cut Julio Jones? Yes. Like I think two things can be true, which is that Julio Jones was the right move for them at the time. And that also it's the right move to move on from him right now. I'm not sure why we're using revisionist history to try to, you know, I, I don't know. Does that make sense to me? I don't know. What yeah. Do you well, 
it it was the right move at the time. It didn't turn out the way that John Robinson intended because Julio's hamstrings were basically just guitar strings that were already strummed to death. And, <laughs> you know, that's something you can't really control because you hope that it's going to get better. And it just never did. It didn't work out. He cut bait and he replaced Julio with Robert Woods. That whole thing, it basically is a roller coaster, right? I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, which you should be, is it starts up at the top and you they you trade for Julio Jones Super Bowl team. And then his hamstrings just slowly take him down. Titans trade him. They're gaining cap space and it goes all the way up to Robert Woods. So it's just one big U of, I, of chain of events. I, I was I'm not kidding about this. I was 15 feet away when Julio Jones got hurt making that spectacular catch in the back of the end zone in training camp, I was about 20 feet away and he went, he walked into the thing and he really wasn't ever the same player like the rest of the year. He had the great game against Seattle, but like I, I'm with you on, and also ACLs, you said ACL, like it's not 2002 hamstrings for a 34 year old are a different deal than an ACL for a 29 year old. ACLs are a singular event that you recover from, whereas hamstrings can just plague you forever. Soft tissue, Soft tissue stuff is, is much sort of more li lingering. I just don't understand the, hey, it didn't work out. We shouldn't have tried it. Like, no, I think you had to try it. Like, I think you had to do it. Yeah, that is totally revisionist because any team that, and they outbid other teams for it, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just, because something doesn't work out doesn't mean you should have never tried it. Yeah, and, you know, you, you, got, you can't go back and say, well, the Titans... You know, it's like the Dolphins fans saying, well, we should never traded. Um, we should never traded Ryan Tannehill because, you know, he went on to do great things over in Tennessee. Well, you didn't have Art Smith coming through that door. You didn't have a Derrick Henry coming through that door and, and a good offensive line. So that doesn't matter. What Mike, matters Mike, Mike is Rabel. that you did. Yeah. And they they traded for Julio Jones and it was the a unanimously praised decision yep. across the board in Nashville. And it still should be, it just I, didn't work out. This a is, plus grade at the time, F minus grade now, right? This, like, is, this is one of the worst problems with media fans, social media, Twitter, radio, whatever is you don't get to change your opinion without the, like if, if you have new facts and new information then you can change your opinion you don't get to go back and say oh no my opinion would have been different today had i known all no, that's not how the world works like no if you if you said it was a bad trade at the time then you can stand up today and say i i don't i think it was a bad move they shouldn't have done it but i need i need a receipt from you that shows that you were saying i don't think they should have julio jones on their team like you can't, you don't get to change your opinion because it didn't work out. That's that's not how the world works with opinions. I know people are shocked by that, um, but there it's designated for June's uh, the June first deadline or whatever. I know you've got a lot of thoughts on like restructuring, whether it's Lawan or Bayard or even Robert Woods. Can you try to explain, give everybody the cliff notes of like how the cap works from, you know, through the next couple of weeks and months on how they're going to manage all the dollar figures and where they're at and how what numbers do they have to be at and where and try to explain to people how that all works because they're bringing on all these big dollar contracts. They're cutting some people, Jackrabbit Jenkins, for example, Roger Saffold, but now they're cutting Jones, but not until June. So what's, what, what do people need to know about the numbers? 
basically the top 51 contracts in the on your roster count towards your, the salary cap number. So whatever those cap hits on the top 51, that's it. So not all 90 technically count against salary cap. And I use 90 players because that's eventually what's going to be make up your roster as it goes on. For based on that, because when you add someone, someone drops off. So because it's always got to be 51. Based on that, right now as it sits, you need about four million dollars, roughly four and a half million dollars, roughly for your draft class. That's going to come when June 2nd happens, and that's what they're going to use the Julio Jones money for. Right now, they're over, depending on what the Hooper contracts and the uh, um, A.J. Moore is also another player that signed a deal, and all these Dontrell Hilliard, uh, Buster Screen. And the Woods trade is technically not official. But the Woods trade, once it's added in and all that, they're going to be over by $7 million, which means that they're going to have to either – they're going to have to restructure at least two or three people to still have money to make moves in free agency because they got to get back under the cap as quick as possible. So to do that, you take a base salary and you spread it out over the remainder of the year of the contract. So basically a $10 million for – Robert Woods could technically save you about, uh, I think, nine million, up to $9 million in cap savings based on the 13.5 that he was going to have this year. So, so basically, all you need to know is that it, <laughs> the salary cap's not, kind, not really a real thing. <laughs> yeah, it's fluid. It, it's, it's a guideline that teams have to follow, and they figure out creative ways to get under it. A cre- another creative way that I didn't know is that some teams have before, and I didn't know this, taken money from next year's cap hit or next year's uh, base salary and converted it. it. They did a reverse. They added money into 20 in the current year because they weren't going to use that cap space to free up cap space next year. So it's, you can almost reverse it. It's like a reverse restructure. Fascinating. What, so it is fascinating. They, the cap who, is fascinating. Who should they restructure? Because I think Lawan is the, is the name that everyone's like, well, what are they going to do with him? I think Lawan should be extended. Okay. So I personally think that that is the best move that Titans can make is to extend Lawan. The reason being is because he wants to retire a Titan. You get more money if you extend Lawan versus a restructure. So you might as well do it because why are you trying to create another hole here soon? Yeah. Because it's, I think, either this year or next year. I think next year is his last year anyway. So he might as well just get an extension done. He started recovering from his ACL. I think Bayard, Robert Woods are both candidates to restructure as well. Because you restructure all three of those guys and do an extension for Luan, you're talking about being at a positive $19.9 million cap space. And then you got Julio Jones coming later, and then you roll over what you don't use. That, so. makes sense. that makes sense. Okay. I just want everybody to clarify that. And if you want more Broadway sports media at F words pod on, on Twitter, you got all kinds of stuff on there. Um, all right. The d- defensive secondary real quickly before the rest of the AFC quarterback situation. And we, and we wrap up today, but I just, the secondary, they move on from Jenkins saves a bunch of money there. I, I don't know what this tells you to me. Cause we just talked about how they've brought in Hooper and woods, but they're still going to look at maybe tight end and receiver in the draft. Cornerback was sort of already a, a possible option for them. How much of this are you thinking is tied to their confidence in Caleb Farley, their confidence in Christian Fulton, their confidence in Elijah Molden? How much of it is that they feel like the cornerback class is very good? There's going to be a lot of really good players available in the late 20s in the first round, for example, at that position. 
So what is this? What is the calculus right now in the secondary for the Titans? What, what it tells me is that they have the utmost faith in their pass rush because when you saw these players that they brought in off the street all last year, Greg Maven, uh, body, Brian, body, Calhoun, Buster screen, all these guys they brought in, they all performed admirably and really well in a lot of games for an extended period of time to where, because of the pass rush and the defensive line and all that working together, the, the linebackers have gotten better. You're you've retained your defensive line and your edge rushers. And this tells me that they feel that they can plug in any kind of cornerback right there. And that if they need a, if they need a veteran to step in, cause someone's injured, it's Buster. And they believe that there is no real difference between Buster and Jack rabbit other than dollar signs. Now, whether they prove to be true on that, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Jackrabbit uh, got a lot of undue hate, but he filled in very well for what he was supposed to do. He, he was do a nice I identity. Think, he was a nice identity guy too. Like, yeah. Guy I, I am totally 100% out on drafting a cornerback in the first round. And if they do, that means that they have zero faith in Caleb Farley. And there is another first round bust from that's coming from John Robinson on his resume because Christian Fulton is your your outside guy. Caleb Farley's an outside guy, and Elijah Mullen's an outside guy. And if they're drafting that guy, I don't, I wouldn't understand it. You could draft one later, like a Marcus. I think his name is Marcus Jones out of uh, Houston, who's also an electric returner as well. You could draft him in the fifth or sixth round, and I'm fine. But drafting one in the first, no way. That is going to be peak Zach Lyons rant. <laughs> Well, this goes. This this sort of goes to what we were talking about with um, Julio Jones. You and I did a live show when they drafted Caleb Farley, and we both raved about it. And I, I, I you know, I saw him on the on the practice field and thought, man, this guy has clearly got the ability. I think you would love to play Fulton, Farley, and Molden as your top three corners for the foreseeable future. I think that's what they would love to do. Uh, I agree with the pass rush comment. I think that's totally valid. I, I still, this all tells me. Because Christian Fulton graded out much like Harold Landry. They both were very much projected first-round picks. They fell into the early second round. And John Robinson, I, this, all this does is cement to me that John Robinson needs to trade back from 26 to like 39. And, and get, get two pieces in the second round and not one piece at 26. That's, that's what this tells me. So I guess I'm kind of agreeing with you, even though this show is entirely about agreement between you and I today so, it is. so far. I guess I kind of agree with you that I don't want to see him take a corner, but if they take one with a second, if they get a receiver in a corner in the second round or an offensive lineman in a corner, like I'm good if it's in the second or third round, I don't want to see it in the first round. I kind of agree with you there. Um, I could see them taking an edge. If it's going to be defender, I could see them taking an edge in the first round. I just have a hard time unless, unless one of the top corners, top two or top three corners fall, which is entirely possible, right? If Derek Stingley falls Derek, for whatever I'm reason. You, I'm telling right? you, Derek Stingley is maybe the best player in the entire draft, and he's going to yeah. fall. And if he falls to 26, they would be crazy not to take him. I'll be honest. I would understand it. But they're taking some, you know, 
dork face nobody's really ever heard of that that had that is a third round grade by all tits of purposes then i'm going to be upset if it's top three that's fine if it's just another if it's just another guy then don't draft him at 26 what is it what are you four, fifth grade now we I mean fifth yeah. grade my, my oh, i'll have all kinds of names as, so as much as this goes on my five-year-old calls me like doo-doo head all the time and and she's she's got better insults than you um all right uh let's see here defensive back we got oh matt ryan's traded to the colts for a third round pick Marcus Mariota, who I do think is a good leader, was traded is, is signed uh, uh, to the Falcons, and Deshaun Watson, of course, is in Cleveland. What do we make of the quarterback situations in the AFC South and in the AFC in general? Okay, well, the uh, with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, I don't know where Baker's going to go and how you can convince the team to take Baker on after you trashed him in the media and have no leverage. You you don't have any leverage right now. So are you going to have nope. to give up a pick with, you know, it's almost like you're trading Jared Goff, right? You know, they had to give away picks to get rid of Jared Goff, and that's what they're going to have to do with Baker. It's not unheard of. It's just not ideal. Right. Carson, Went, or, uh, Carson Wentz is gone, of course. Matt Ryan statistically is going to have a worse season than Carson Wentz. I'm throwing it out there right now. He's going to have less yardage. He's going to have less touchdowns, and he's going to throw more interceptions, and he's going to have a lower yards per attempt, or maybe the same yards per attempt in there, because they're not going to want him to throw. He's not coming in to throw. He's just coming in <laughs> to basically hand the ball off, because who's he throwing to? Mo Alley Cox, Michael Pittman, who's okay, but he's there to hand off to Jonathan Taylor, and but the thing is that he's thrown a lot of fourth quarter interceptions through. He's got the most since 2017 fourth quarter interceptions. And that includes James Winston who threw 30 interceptions one year. <laughs> like it's not good in the fourth quarter for Matt Ryan. And that continued. And he is just in a sharp, steep decline. This is not Philip rivers. Philip rivers was still throwing for 4,000 yards, seven or eight consecutive seasons after he, even when he was older, than Matt Ryan. This is not Philip Rivers. This is a worse version of this is basically the love child of Jacoby Brissett and Philip Rivers. Like <laughs> you're getting a guy that's a known oh, name, but you're not getting a guy that's going to be able so, to throw it deep. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. He, he threw for 3,968 yards. So we're going to round up 32 yards and call that 4,000, which gives him like 11 consecutive seasons of 4000 yards. So I'm going to I'm going to defend Matt Ryan a little bit here and say I think he is a with the 17th game by the way. Now also that's that's fair. And and again I'm not even saying he was good last year. 20 touchdowns in 17 games is not good. <laughs> that's just that's just not good. It's very Ryan Tannehill-ish actually. Here's what I don't I I I think he's smarter with the football. Forget the numbers for a second. I think he is a significantly smarter player than Carson Wentz. Okay? Yeah, he's smarter. I mean, I don't think anybody would dispute that. So but that I, doesn't I, change anything when you don't have the arm strength to get the ball that, somewhere. That you might be one hundred percent right on that. You might be one hundred percent right. I like. He's this. not going to make fifteen left-handed throws. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I think this is significantly better for the Colts than Jimmy Garoppolo or Carson Wentz. So I don't know it, if it's significantly better, but I would say it is the best of a bad situation. Th that's kind of where I'm going here. Is I don't think that those. To, like I think he's better than both of those two. I don't know if he's good enough to be all, like great and win the division or challenge the Titans or do any even get to a wild card spot. I don't know, but I do think that the Colts have made their. I think they're better today with Matt Ryan than they would have been with Carson Wentz or Jimmy Garoppolo. And so that I don't know if that means anything, but that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion on it. If you disagree, that's fine. 
but that's my that's my thought on it. I, I think I think Jimmy G gets the more wins in the end than Matt Ryan would have. I think he sucks. I think Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. sucks. I think I think they all suck. I mean, I, I <laughs> maybe maybe I'm being too harsh on Matt Ryan, but they're all not going to ask. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, sure. I mean, he's got those. He's he's a Hall of Fame box score guy. Like when I think of Matt Ryan, there's only been like one season where he was truly the best. At his position, he, he he said four straight losing seasons. Um, his best of which probably was the, and and contrary to properly belief, contrary to popular belief, the there's not wasn't that big of a difference in pass block win rate between the Indianapolis Colts and the Atlanta Falcons. Ooh, that's the that's Colts were twenty. Thought. The Colts were twenty percent as a team in pass block win rate, and they've lost, I believe, two starters if I'm not mistaken. Man, and then. Uh, the Falcons were 26 in pass block win rate. Not a huge difference when you're talking about what he's going to. And he, and really Kyle Pitts, Russell Gage, and for whatever time you had Calvin Ridley and Corderell Patterson is a better collective of weapons yeah. with Atlanta, with Art Smith, who runs a quarterback friendly offense is a better set of weapons than really what you have in the passing game. For in it in Indianapolis, he's just going to be a guy that he's just there to turn around and hand the ball. I, That's he, what he's there he's, for. He is. I agree. He's there to turn around, hand the ball off, get them into the right play, not throw interceptions and complete short passes. Yeah. I, I think his yards he, per tip is going to be really low. Yeah, I feel right. Like. Right. I, I think that is. I think he is better at that than Carson Wentz or Jimmy Garoppolo, though. So yeah, it, I would. I, I think you're right. That, in the end, probably I wouldn't. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I I, I also will admit I have. I have always liked Matt Ryan as a player. Again, this is my college football bias going all the way back as uh, you know, as an, as the, as a rookie of the year and in Boston college, carrying Boston college to the ACC championship game, carrying the Falcons to the super bowl. Wasn't his fault that they lost. I just, I just like the player. I have no idea. The arm could be dead. The arm could be gone. And that could, that it, could, it sure looked like it's dead. No, I mean, it looks you, really you bad. Right. You might be right. And I like Marcus Mariota better than every other Titans fan in the history of the world. And that's okay. That's okay. I will own that. It's me. It's a me problem, and I'm fine with that. Zach, where can people find your work and what you got coming up on the pod this week? Okay, so you can find most of my written work on broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can find all – I put out a lot of data on Twitter, at FWordsPod. And then, obviously, the podcast, Football and Other FWords. It is going to be on released on Wednesday this week because we have a special guest and we had to make accommodations. Ooh. Lucas Panzika of the Lucas Panzika show on 104.5 that airs from uh, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. or 10 p.m. to 1 p.m. 10, 10, no, yeah. 10, 10 p.m. 10 to 1 a.m. I was right. I was right the first time. 10 a.m. Okay. to 1 p.m. 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Yeah. Lucas Panzika show. You Who? can catch it. Lucas Panzika. Who? He. It's Lucas Panzika. And then tell there's him, that guy, Buck to, Rising. Tell him to pick a country. Tell Lucas to pick a country. <laughs> Okay, I will. I will ask him to pick a country. We'll hold his feet to the fire. Pick a country. Uh, but we're going to be talking to him this week. So that'll be good stuff. All right. Well, go check it out. Football and other F words, of course, everywhere you get your podcast. Broadwaysportsmedia.com is the website. Always a pleasure, my friend. Of course, a reminder, sign up to go run in our 5K, please. The J.E. Dunn Hammer Down Race, the eighth annual 5K. Of course, all of the proceeds go to benefit our kids. Uh, this time on the show, donated by the Kingston Groups. I know it's a lot of names there, but just all you need to know is the J.E. Dunn Hammer Down Race, 8th Annual. Don Davenport's going to be emceeing, so come out, support the, the kids of Middle Tennessee. Our kids is arguably the greatest organization that I have ever been a part of. They are the most amazing people trying to help kids in Middle Tennessee who are sexually abused. 
hammerdown.raceroster.com is the website hammerdown.raceroster.com just do some google searching you'll find it come out and race it doesn't cost very much money it's good for your health it's good for the kids come out and race with us the eighth annual 5k hammer down je done all that great stuff for zach Lyons, my name is Braden gall rate review subscribe check out the youtube all that great stuff share the product as well thank you guys all for listening this has been the 440 for tuesday march 22nd